Everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Bison Hour. Uh, I have the distinct pleasure of having Ivan Bayan on the podcast today. Ivan is a uh, multifamily real estate investor. And Ivan and his business partner um, do about $90 million in transactions annually. Or just in total, you guys have done $90 million. Uh, sure. how, how do you how do you quantify uh, how much real estate? Uh, about three hundred million dollars in real estate transactions. Something slight, something like three hundred million dollars. You know, three tenths of a billion. Um, Ivan is an incredible human being, and we really just wanted to capture his story today and find out more about what he has done in his life on his own journey to get him to where he's at. Uh, not so much focusing on like everything that he's accomplished, but really just hearing about the journey. So, Ivan, like, welcome to the show. And um, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from and your upbringing and um, I guess how you, you got into real estate, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, Dakota. It's uh, awesome to be here. I'm excited to uh, get into this. Um, I grew up in Oregon. Um, my, I lived there my entire life, but I always had this dream of wanting to be in the Air Force and flying airplanes. And so when I was a young boy, I just set my sights on someday being a pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of what I pursued in the in the early days of my, of my life is uh, going to the Air Force and, and, fl- and flying airplanes. And so... Um, Did you ever actually fly planes? Yeah, I, I flew for 20 years, the, the, the B-1 bomber, and I, really? I retired in October 21 out of Tinker Air Force Base. Uh, I was there for about nine years. Before that, I was an active duty unit, uh, flew all over the world. Uh, did all the missions, did, did it all. Wow. Yeah. What was it like flying a B-1 bomber? Like that, those are... You know, uh, I think it's like they say, it's uh, lots of boredom interrupted by moments of sheer terror. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and excitement, though. Yeah. It was cool, man. It was really cool. I, you know, and, and very privileged and honored to get to have that as my military career and path. Worked with amazing people, incredible people, incredible people, and it taught me so much yeah. that I now leverage into my business career and in my life. Um, all of the experiences I've been able to go through, not just flying, but all the other things that I was able to do in the military, uh, gave me so much that I that I'm excited to be able to now continue to use today in my business career. What do you feel like you picked up in the military that has been so beneficial to you in your life? Like, what are a few key skills or a few key things that you learned along? Hundred percent teamwork. Okay. Teamwork, um, learning to work with people and learning how to understand different kinds of people and different kinds of personalities. Uh, a lot of what I learned hard way is um, learning to develop emotional intelligence. Um, you know, you're, it's leadership positions that you're put in and everyone ticks differently. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn how to connect with each person differently in order to get the overall mission and job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that taught me a lot about uh, how to work with people. Um, I remember one commander told me, uh, one time when I was going through some projects or something, he was like, uh, I don't know. I was a captain at the time. Captain Vian, there's three P's. I said, what's that? He said, it's people, processes, and parts. You got to learn how to work with people. You got to have processes and you got to have parts. And this is in reference to flying airplanes. So three reasons why things fell either the, you have a people problem a process problem or a part problem mm-hmm. and honestly i use those three p's today still in business yeah. if something failed like i do like root cause analysis like was it a people problem was it a process problem or in my case i do real estate maybe the hvac system just simply failed it was beyond its useful life right I'm sure the parts were bad or something, something like that so it's just interesting you don't you don't realize how i think a lot of people um 
have skills in, in the workforce. Maybe a lot of people have W-2 jobs, but um, you, they are transferable, you know? And especially a lot of people in the military, they don't realize that they actually have entrepreneurial skills that they can use if they want to venture off in the entrepreneurial world. But mm-hmm. that, that's a little bit about military. But for me, how did I get into real estate, right? So you're in the military for a yeah. number of years, yeah. got out, what'd you move Yeah, into? well, you know, my, 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 my path from what I do today is real estate investing started uh, about the first third of my my military career. And that, that started because for me, I was, I thought I was investing the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the Air Force Academy and before every class, I remember the instructor always talking about how to, how to invest. Mm-hmm. They say it's important you have a Roth IRA or, yeah, or you, it's important to maximize your TSP account, Thrift Savings Plan account. And uh, at the Air Force Academy, your junior year, you at the bank, there's a bank that comes. I won't say the name because I don't. Sure. <laughs> there's a bank that comes. Yeah. They put these people on stage. They say, we're giving you an opportunity to take a 4% interest loan for, at the time, it was like 21500 bucks. And I was like, sure, I'll take that loan. And I said, but instead of going buying my Corvette, because there's a lot of people do go buy the Corvette yeah, yeah. or going on my vacation. When well, you're I, a pilot. I got to buy the Corvette. Got to have the yeah, cool car, exactly. right? I was like, I was like, no, but I want to be an investor. You know, I always had this thing for business. I was like, I'm going to take that 21.5 at 4% and put it in the stock market that's earning me 10 plus percent. I'll make a 6% spread on that yeah. and that'll be my profit. No problem, right? But they, they shove and jam down your throat this idea of investing in the stock market, stock market, stock market. So... Back in 2001, I took that 21.5, I put it in uh, a fund at this same bank. And it was interesting that I got the loan, immediately like the next week, I go down to the mailroom, I open my, my mailbox, I get this flyer that said, invest in this fund, earn 110%. I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. I mean, I didn't do my own due diligence. I didn't understand that. I was just going on blind faith because I trusted the whole thing. So I put that 21.5 into this fund. Uh-huh. Immediately, stock market crash. Boom. Was that because of 9 11? It was 2000. There was another, it was a crash. uh, Or that was, yeah, that was There's a a dot com crash. Yeah, yeah, it was right around then. I think it was 2000, but it was in in line with the whole thing going on with 9 11, of course, right? Um, And it went to almost zero. But since I took a loan out, I was paying $450 a month interest on this loan. I had nothing to show for. And that was like, that was like eye-opening experience for me. I'm brand new uh, second lieutenant in the Air Force. I owe additional 450 bucks a month uh, on top of this car that I had in my little apartment because I wanted to live on my own. And I had this th- payment that had nothing to show for. And a military salary. And a military, we were making 35K a month, uh, a year yeah. when I first got out. I got pissed. I was like, there's gotta be a better way to make your hard earned money work for you versus you work for it. Right. I didn't know about rich dad, poor dad at the time. Mm-hmm. I just started saying, you know, maybe I can go and buy single family properties on the side wherever I go and build up enough passive income so that when I retire from the Air Force, um, I'll have enough income to replace my current pay to maybe keep my standard living where it's at and then I can do whatever I want at that point in time. So was your, was your initial, when you, your, did you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad before you got into any real estate? I did not. I didn't even know about the book. Really? It, uh, that came later. Okay. And there, there's a, 
there's some I want to go with this story because I came later when I joined a mentorship program. Okay, we'll, we'll come back to yeah. that. But yeah, so you got into real estate. So you got your rear end kicked. Yes. Yeah. Chewed up and spit out in your first couple of years in the academy. Yeah. And you're like, well, how the heck do I even make money or how do I make yeah. it grow for me? So you got into single family. Yeah. Right. And, and so for me, um, I relocated to, to Abilene, Texas from Rapid City, staying with my mother-in-law at the time. She's like, hey, I know you've been thinking about getting into real estate. There's this lady down the street going through divorce. Really needs, she really needs to sell her house. Why don't you go down and see what you can do? I, had my, I was like walking in, the, in her house with my bags, just moving in. I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. So I just left the house, ran down, and I just- I You just, legit just dropped your bag and said- I just gonna... went there. I was like, I just knocked on her door, and I said, hey, I introduced myself, da, da, da. She told me a story, and I said, hey, I want to buy your house. She said, it's for sale for 33000 I said, sold. That was it. Did you have any money or anything? I had a little bit of money in the bank. I didn't. Even, I just called the USAA, who was giving me a loan on my my first house that I'm buying. It's about to close in a couple months after, um, from that point. Hey, I want to buy this investment property. Maybe they felt sorry for me because they lost my money when I gave it to them. Yeah. <laughs> they like. So I'll give you ninety. Back then, you can do ninety percent loans. I got lucky, man. I got a, I got a house for ninety percent, ten percent down, all in. I was around five six thousand bucks, and this house was up and running and about you know a month after she moved out all i had to do is swap out some blinds touch up paint and i and i you know i learned how to do property management real quick and i put it on craigslist and got it rented for 850 a month clearing about 300 bucks a month cash flow i said there's something to this real estate game mm -hmm. but i kind of just fell into that right yeah right you want me to tell you, you want me to tell you what happened after that i absolutely yeah i think me and all the viewers would love because yeah. uh, i mean it's it's interesting to me that <clears throat> I think a lot of people, uh, part of the whole show that we, we do here is I want to hear about the failures and then the triumphs that came from it. And I also want to hear about the unexpected turns and corners too, because yeah. there's a lot of people that go and try, you know, I'm going to go try to be a doctor and it doesn't work out. Let me throw in the towel. I'm never going to try anything again because that whole doctor thing didn't work out. You wanted to be a pilot in the military. It's what you always wanted to do. And yet here you are at, at what age in 2001, 2000? Probably 23. Five at the point. 25. Yeah. Okay. Most people have their career set or their path set at 25 where they're like trying to get into some sort of career field at that. And you're, you're trying to switch it up and change it up out of necessity. And yeah. you know, the light bulb went off. So tell us about yeah. what, what, what happened from there. <clears throat> light bulb went off and, um, there is this point in the discussion too. I want to talk about when the light bulb went off and I saw there's something to this real estate game. I was always at this crossroads of, I know if I really go hard and pursue my military career, which I had these dreams and hopes and aspirations, especially if a lot of people, you know, are type A and they want to always be the best, whatever it is. And, and I had a lot of that going on, but a lot of it was driven by ego, quite honestly, too. You know, um, so if I want to do this, how am I going to do this at the same time? Mm -hmm. So there comes to this point in your, in your path, you have to make a decision. That decision comes from knowing what is you want for yourself, your life, and your family, taking time to truly understand that, but then believing you can go after that thing that you truly want. Mm -hmm. I'll get to that in a minute. But right. for me, I got this first rental property, real estate bug came alive, like, oh my gosh, there's something to this real estate game. And so we move into this house I was telling you about. My wife was pregnant with our first son. I have three boys now. And... Um, there was this house next to me that was all boarded up where I just moved in, mm -hmm. right? I have my rental property, this new house I bought, and there's a house next to the new house. 
Well, um, when my wife started going into labor, like she had, we had to jet out the door, we'd go to the hospital, go through the, the delivery, everything settles down. She said, Hey, you need to go home and get, get the bag. I was like, oh, yeah, get the bag, you know, the bag with all the stuff yeah, to, yeah. to be able to stay in the, in, the, in the hospital. You know, the bag. The right? over, yeah, the overnight bag. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I go back to the house to get the bag and uh, I'm walking out the front door and I look to the left. I was like, there's that house right there. What's, I don't know what's going on with this house. I don't know if I can make something happen, right? And I look at my watch. I was like, you know what? She's sleeping. She's tired. She's not going to be awake for a while. And your first child was literally My first child's in the, in the delivery. Uh, and then. I think I was in the NICU. And, uh, He's like, in the even worse. He's yeah, great. I know. I'm telling on myself here. It's a good story now. So I like, I was like, I'm going to figure out who the owner is. I get on the, on the county tech, on the county uh, site. I see uh, who the owner is, the address. I was like, I'm going to go down and knock on his door. I got, I got lucky on the first one. I'm going to try this again. I go knock down on his, go down. To the, it was only like three blocks up the road. I go knock on his door. Still looking at my watch, like, and this big burly man with no shirt on comes to their front. He's like, "What do you want?" I was like, "Sir, my name's Ivan. I live next to I think a house you own. Is it for sale?" And he goes, "It is. Step inside." He takes me inside the house. I go up this narrow, um, very steep s- staircase into his attic. I yeah. sit in the attic, kind of like this. One light. And he put on the. He puts on the on, on the table in front of me. He goes, "See that." What's that number? I, it says $80,000. I said, yeah. He goes, that's what I owe the bank. And he says, if you give me 80000 it's yours. This house was all boarded up. No sheetrock, nothing. Yeah. I bought a bread box for eighty k that day. I found a way to pay for it. I got another bank to give me a loan. I put some money down. I bought a bread box for eighty k. The bank gave me a construction loan, but I didn't do comps. I didn't do any due diligence. Yeah. Again, I just bought the house for eighty k. I had this plan of completely rehabbing the property and I overpaid and I over rehabbed and I ran out of money quick. As a result, after borrowing money from my mom, I went in the hole $80,000 on credit cards. Dang. So now I'm brand new captain in the Air Force, got my first child, got this project next to me, $80,000 in credit card debt trying to get this project across the finish line. And I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Meanwhile, this is when everything crashed, 2008. All the real estate went on sale. And I'm kicking myself because I don't have any capital to go scoop up these cheap deals. Yeah. And I found a way to get through all of that. But one day we were driving back from Dallas, Texas, and I was listening to the AM radio. Don't ask me why. Do you still listen to the AM radio? I don't listen to AM radio. I was listening to the AM radio, and there was this radio show called uh, Lifestyles Unlimited. And uh, there's this guy giving interviews to real estate investors. Mm-hmm. And they, he talked about this two-day event in Dallas, Texas for real estate mentorship. I was like, I got to go to that. Obviously, I don't know what I'm doing. I went to this two-day event and I signed up for the mentorship class. And I got mentorship. And then that's when I learned about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That's when I started studying all these different books. And that's when I started getting smart because I wasn't reinventing the wheel I was finding someone who was already successful in what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I was literally copying them and emulating them in now my real estate business on my second house. So so that one conference quite literally saved you yes. from, from, from the, the dark path that you were about to take yourself down. Because 
that situation, Ivan, does not sound fun. Yeah. I would not sleep at all at night if I knew yeah. that I was that heavily leveraged and I had a wife and a baby to feed and everything. The, the market's crashing around. Yeah. like, And to be honest, like that's that's kind of how the world is today. There's a exactly. lot of uncertainty with the economy and the markets and everything like that. Um, you know, and you decided to just rush in through the storm. So what, 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 uh, what happened at that two day real estate conference that really made, made the biggest difference in how you shifted your whole plan of attack towards real estate? What changed? Cause I think a lot of times in my own entrepreneurship journey, I, if, if the, the nail doesn't fit, get a bigger hammer. Like I just try to force things through, right. Instead of going and looking for expert advice to help me walk down the path that, that I'm trying to, to, I guess, obliterate or destroy or, or uh, break through when in reality, it's like, Hey, you don't have to navigate the path this way. I've already navigated it. Let me just show you how yeah. it's such an important lesson to seek expert help of people that literally have done what you're trying to do yeah. and know the, the, the whole process. They've already gone through all the hard that's, stuff. Well, that's it. That's the answer. Yeah. Um, they allowed unlimited phone calls to the whoever was the the instructor coach on the other side. You know, I called them like literally like two or three times a day. I remember in the beginning, what I do here, what I do here, what I do here, what I do. What about this? What about this? What about that? Right. Mm -hmm. And I started to see um, how it is they think, how it is they do things, and they all the investors there talk about their success, their stories, and what the things they do in their business to implement. You know, and that's that's that could be held true or that process could be held true for whatever it is you want to get into, whatever it is you desire, not just real estate for me and um, this business, that business, whatever the business is, go find that mentor who's been there, done that and learn from them and do what it is they say to do. That is the thing though. A lot of people get the information, they get the knowledge, but they still don't do it. Why that do you think way. that is? Why, why is that? Yeah. Is it just a pride thing or, cause th I, I think you're right. I've received a lot of advice and yeah. I've just been like, thanks buddy. And I continue doing my own thing and come years later, it's like, man, if I just listened to that one piece of advice from that one guy who I thought didn't know anything cause he's 10 years older than me. You know, that's I think young, dumb entrepreneur, but, uh, there's definitely ego, yeah. right? And the ego wants to protect itself, I think. So I think we get in our way of our own success. It goes deeper than that. We get in the way of our own success. Mm -hmm. And I think when we ask for answers, the answers come your way, mm -hmm. but you're not aware of that. And so you have to learn to be aware of the, the solutions, be aware of the opportunities mm -hmm. of what you've been asking for mm -hmm. and get out of your own way and accept that. And I think it was deeper than that. If you want to go there, it was like, do you feel like you deserve it? Do you feel like uh, you're worthy of this? Do you feel like that is who you are? I mean, I had a whole personal growth plan you know, experience that I had to go through, still continue to go, go through. And, you know, I, I had a lot of limiting beliefs is mm -hmm. why too, of like, how, and I'm in apartments, how in the heck am I going to afford that? Or I, I'm a, I'm a pilot in the Air Force. What do I know about finance? What do I know about this and that and all these things you know i used to go to these big real estate conferences and get so overwhelmed i had to i had to leave you're like i'm not a real estate agent. I'm, not, I'm a pilot you know like, like you, you gave yourself these identities, that these identities you take on mm -hmm. but when you start to work on that person and realize that you're that person too that you have the same skills and traits and intelligence and, and smartness whatever it is you just applied it to a different thing mm -hmm. then when you apply it to this thing 
then you realize you too can do those things. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you know, it's a lot of that. But to answer your question again, it's like, you know, maybe just simply you don't trust them or something, right? Because you don't know them, right? But so you have to find someone that you develop a relationship Mm-hmm. And over time, then you start trusting them, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there's that too. There, I mean, there, it could have been your own intuition saying there's something about this particular person that I don't trust. Sure. Find that person. They say no, like, and trust. Once you get to know them, you got to spend time with them to get to trust them. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned too, is that I've learned to honestly trust too early, too soon. Mm-hmm. And now I take my time. So I think that is a good thing too, as well, before you bring that mentor in your life. Really evaluate them and see if that is something you truly want to emulate yourself right. after. And you're only going to know that after a while, mm-hmm. right? Or at times you may see there may be something in them that attracts you to them. I have this one mentor right now. I want to get into multifamily development. And uh, I met him at his conference. And uh, I didn't really know him. I didn't really... You know, I like him, but I didn't really know him. But when he's on his passion about what he has to offer mm-hmm. and he, and that passion came through in a very authentic way. Right. And then I talked to him off stage and I heard in his voice who he really was and what he cared about. And I something about that just drew me into yeah. him. And then I saw the kind of people, the caliber of the people that he surrounded himself with. Yeah. And I was like, I got, I got to be around that dude. And I want to be around those people. And so I joined that mentorship program and, and I just flew back from Phoenix. I was in Phoenix all weekend. And when you hear this guy off stage talk about all the struggles he went through and all the successes and all the things that he had to do to get where he's at today, the guy is a baller, man. He has real estate all over. Every time I'm hanging out with him, he's like, oh yeah, and then I have this property in Chicago. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was like, how many, it's like, how much more real estate do you have, dude? He's like been at this game for 30 years. He's 48 and he's so young still, honestly. But I was like, not only are you a businessman I want to emulate myself after, you're a human being I want to emulate myself after. So, But it took a little bit to get there. So that could be why too. It just takes, I, I think a lot of times it does take time. And I, I think what you said about pride and we can get deeper into everything, but I, I do think it's it's just young pride. It's it's you know what the world's different than it was when you grew up, old man, and stuff like that. Because I have, I actually had a mentor once upon a time uh, actually tell me that I was messing up, and I actually went to him and told him to basically f off. I literally went to him and told him like you don't know what you're talking about, and man, how dumb was I? Because three years later, and I'm grateful I'm this type of person. I went back to him and I said, dude, I am so sorry that I said anything ever negative about anything you ever tried to help me do because I now realize you were literally just trying to keep me from making the same mistakes that you made. And I had to go through and learn all those lessons the hard way because I was too prideful to listen to you. Yeah. And we mended that relationship and we have a great relationship yeah. now, but That's but it, it took me a while to do that. And, and now when people, especially people like you, Ivan, give advice, I listen mm-hmm. because you're not giving advice. You're not trying to hand out free advice. You're not trying to cast pearls to swine. Like you're giving advice that you think legitimately helps. And I think everybody, especially entrepreneurs, need to spend more time listening and less time thinking. Because if, if people listen more, they'd pick up on more cues to learn how to create shortcuts and get to where they want to be a lot faster. Let's talk about that. The answers are in the shadows. Mm-hmm. It's not a direct to what they're saying. There'll be something 
kind of you'll catch in between conversations mm-hmm. of what that that thing that path that you need to go down mm-hmm. those are the thing in those moments i have found that have impacted my life the the most mm-hmm. right um uh, for example like i was like i was like you know jerome this mentor of mine, he he has all these people in a, in a circle, and I was just like, and I was just, he was just sharing. I did this and this and this, and then he's, but then he just like over. But he's like, honestly, I just showed up to this guy's other guy's event, and I just put myself in the middle of this event, and then one day this guy sat down next to me and had a meal with me, and the guy that he got in front of at the, his event, then became his friend, and now that immediately elevated Jerome to the next level because this guy that became his friend has a whole nother Rolodex of people that now Jerome is connected with. We're talking like, like ballers, like top, like people that really can impact his life. Right. right? But it was like, it wasn't like I signed up for this big course. I did this. It was just like Jerome just saying, I was just a dude, a real, just a guy to this guy. And, and, And I was like, Oh, that was a little nugget. A little nugget that I picked up on to, yeah. to put into my to my pocket, you know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of the day, people are just like people. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what's in our bank account or how much real estate you have. It's yeah. just if you're cool and you're down to earth, I'll talk to you. Yeah. You know, and and that's yeah, that's what it's all about. I love what you were saying about how the answers are in the shadows. I think uh, some of the most profound moments in my life, just learning about myself and who I am, are in the in between. It's not in the action in the heat of battle or anything like that. It's not like you know, after I, I have a big triumph or anything, it's quite literally like the in-between of the day-to-day, the, the small things. Um, so I do think it's important to look for that, but it's also important to look for the mentors that'll help kind of not give you the answers, but they'll point you in the right direction to where the answers are. I feel like that's so, so influential. And then another thing that you said that is a good lesson for uh, viewers to, I guess, learn is your, your net worth is your network. And it is important to get out there and meet people and associate yourself with better people than yourself or try to connect with them in any way possible um, to help elevate your your status. But um, going back to what you were talking about, you, you buy this dilapidated crappy house for 80 grand and you rehab it, you're in over your head, you go to this real estate conference, you meet a good solid mentor to help get you out of, of this situation. Where do things go from there? Right now, I know how to do it. Right, mm-hmm. I, I have this credit card debt thing, um, you know. But I, I tell you, like, if you set your eyes on something, on a goal, mm-hmm. and you you have clarity on that goal, and you're certain about yourself and where you are at whatever level you're at, mm-hmm. answers, solutions come your way. And somehow, I don't know how, but more money came into my life. I mean, where did it come from? Like maybe I got some bonus in the military. I got this or someone this or this person wants to invest with me. I bought I got another rental property after that. Right. So so stuff just happened. Right. Because right. I'm working. Right. The answer what I'm trying to say is whatever you put yourself towards and you give mm-hmm. yourself to that, mm-hmm. you get so much more in return. So for me, I saw my house as an opportunity to give back to the city, opportunity to connect and bring in contractors and give them opportunity to be better human beings. Have work. And like my contractor there, Ron Balcom, who's like 
my godfather basically like he became like my best friend and i saw his life completely change and all these amazing things happen in his life and um you know he was there when my babies were born and all this kind of like yeah. it was so like somehow in that when you have a heart to give what you're doing is the how the answers come to you so i just gave myself to this thing and i and i committed myself to this thing and i had this vision of impacting communities, impacting cities, impacting people's lives. It wasn't just about business. It still isn't today. Mm -hmm. And that's what drives me and motivates me is to see the transformation of not just real estate, but people mm. through this whole experience that I'm going through and the transformation in myself. Right. Where did that mentality come from? Because when I look at, at real estate properties that I'm trying to buy, my first thought is always the same thought as most real estate investors is money. Is it going to make me money? And I think it's interesting that in a time of difficulty for you, when you were strapped, your thought process was not like, how can I make more money and, and solve this problem? It was, no, I need to find a way to give back or I need to find a way to give to the community or the 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 mindset that you had was different than most. So, so. Yeah. Um, look, we all have a limited time on this earth. And, um, you know, I can't take the money to heaven with me, right? Yeah. I can leave with my family. So for me, like money, real estate is not the end goal. It's the object of what I want to do. Mm -hmm. It is the instrument and through which I'm able to impact people's lives because I feel like I was brought here not only to impact my own life, but use that as a way to impact other people's lives mm -hmm. is like kind of a, some of the root things that make me tick in life. Right. And so, but where did this come from? Right. Well, let me tell you. So I grew up watching my mom own a business for 27 years. My mom's a sweet lady, very, very intelligent, very hardworking. She grew up in the aftermath of the Korean war and, um, her parents pulled her out of school because they needed her to work in the fields so they can eat. She got pulled out of school when she was in the eighth grade. And she came to the States because my dad met her in the army when he was in the army over in Korea, brought her back over here. My mom couldn't even speak English. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, she had this dream of owning her own business someday. And so when I was like, I think 14, 15 in high school, I remember she bought this little grocery store called the Neighborhood Market. She got her, she got her, got her dream, it's coming alive. This neighborhood market was literally a market in the middle of a neighborhood. You don't see this in neighborhoods. Imagine any neighborhood here in Oklahoma City. Where it's we like live, a regular sub, Like down Paseo or something. But in the heart of this, all these homes, there's this grocery store. There's this one grocery store where we lived in Kaiser, Oregon, got grandfathered in to be the only commercial building in the entire area. So it was like the center of the go-to place where everyone came. Mm -hmm. And I saw her speak into these kids' lives that would come to her store. She took a moment to recognize every single person and acknowledge them, no matter what they're going through, no matter what financial situation they may be in. Now, it was a business at the end of the day. She had to, you know, she didn't give stuff away, but, but she took a time to acknowledge them and recognize them. Mm -hmm. And she, I saw her impact these kids' lives so much so that when they grew up, they moved away maybe different neighborhood or a few miles or 10 miles, they would still, if they needed to buy milk, eggs, or little this, little that, come back to her store just to see my mom. So I saw how my mom in her little store 
made a huge impact in the surrounding community. Mm. And I saw how she used her store as an instrument to bring life to places that maybe wouldn't have life, to bring love, and how you can use your business as an instrument for your own testimony, your own impact that you wanna leave Mm -hmm. in what you do every day, right? Like our businesses are not just place to make money, of course, but when you have an intersection of all these people coming in and out, therein lies your opportunity to do something good. And in real estate, there's a lot of people that come in and out. I own apartment complexes today. And so one day I was like thinking to myself, how can I continue on the legacy that my mom started? I said, you know what? I'm going to not only, I'm going to, I'm going to create a program where I'm not only going to create a difference in the apartment communities that I, that I buy and improve the lives of the people that live on my apartment communities, create a community within the community of my apartment community. You know, and, and, and these are very less fortunate people. I mean, one day I was doing due diligence on a property in Little Rock and man, you know, you saw this little baby in a Tupperware bin as its crib, as its crib, Rubbermaid crib. That like, that just, that just hit me hard. You know, I was like, this isn't right. Yeah. I could do something. I'm going to do something about this. I'm, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna have free cribs for everybody. We're gonna change this. We're gonna put in a playground. We're gonna clean this place up. We're gonna get all the druggies out of here. We're gonna make this place banging for this little boy to have a normal childhood, yeah. right? And so that's one thing. But I was like, how can I use my apartment to make a difference in the surrounding community where everybody still wins and the objective stays the objective? I have a fiduciary responsibility to create a profit at this property. Right. I said, you know what I'll do. Create my own foundation called Anthem Impact Foundation. We're going to identify tenants who already are volunteering in nonprofit organizations surrounding my property. We're going to acknowledge them for their efforts of already investing in the surrounding community and get behind them who are already at my property, get behind them as they go out. And we're going to make a donation to that nonprofit organization on their behalf so that they have an opportunity to further their impact which then creates a ripple effect. Mm. Because we believe if you invest in the surrounding community, the surrounding community will invest back into your community. Well, it just so happens in Salt Lake City, I have a tenant who's a chef. He would be having sushi classes in his apartment or in the common area, teaching people how to make sushi. He was volunteering at this food bank, teaching homeless people how to preserve food, how to make food last longer, and how to be well and eat healthy. Mm-hmm. We made a donation to this food bank, recognized the tenant, brought them to the office. And we, we don't give the donation unless the tenant is current, fully paid, and the tenant has some type of leadership role in the local community at the apartment. Um, and we have certain metrics we have to hit that the property manager has to be performing at a certain level. We really want to give out this award, but this property has to be performing before we do so. Right. We have it all teed up. This is what we're going to do, but let's get it, our occupancy at a certain level. Let's get our income on a certain level. So we're still using that as a way to drive performance, but it's driven by a bigger vision, bigger goal sure. of making an impact in the local community. Sure. And it's almost like a little motivation for you guys to get the property to where you need it so that you guys can give back. It's like a little incentive More for so you. as well. Yeah. And then we also recognize the managers and everybody wins. And so in this case, 
we did, you know, we were doing this. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Thanksgiving comes around. The food bank has all this extra Thanksgiving food. They come back to our property and hold a huge Thanksgiving dinner for the tenants living there. Just because of the relationship your tenants had with the food bank. And because we invested in the food bank, it then invested back into us. That's the takeaway. How I got where I'm at today, when I came from nothing, I had literally like, you know, my father wasn't a role model. I wasn't given a silver spoon. I, sh I went to $80,000 in debt. I show up to here in Oklahoma. Um, I got my real estate license to make extra money. And how I got the extra money was by giving first to my clients. Mm -hmm. Giving, giving, giving. So I, I, I go by giving up. I don't give up. I give to get up. Yeah. Give to get up. Yeah. And I think if you flip your perspective in life and realize there's an unlimited, for me, I learned there's an unlimited source inside of me of hidden untapped potential. I know I'm just scratching the surface of what I got inside of me. Yeah. I know it. That if I keep just giving versus trying to think about getting, everything else takes care of itself. The answers come to me. Okay. Yeah. Let me share this. So that's how we make an impact on the surrounding community. But how did I get where I was when I was $80,000 in the debt to where I'm at today? And we, you know, bought $300 million worth of real estate and I've been able to do this full time. Well, when I was at Tinker, I ran out of money again. I was buying houses, ran out of money. My, my broker said, get your real estate license. Got my real estate license. He said, here's a client. Give me a client. And like, that was it too, by the way. He just kicked me out the door. I didn't, barely knew how to log into the MLS. I barely knew anything about how to be a realtor, but I knew how to like analyze deals. And um, this client ended up being, um, he and I took a liking to each other. And I told myself, I said, I'm going out and buying houses. So, and I was like, I have, there's a conflict of interest here because I could be finding the best deals, but not telling my clients sure. and going over here and doing my own deals. Right. I said, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give them all the best deals, make them my priority. I had five clients and I want to make sure I give away 10 before I get my one. And I got that cool little cherry that I found with icing, you know, cake with the cherry and icing on top. And I was like, I'm going to make sure all my clients have what they need. If someone isn't full, meaning they don't, they need a deal, then I'll they'll give them the deal. If not, I'll get mine. And Guess what? Because I started serving all of them first, they wanted to do more business with me. And then my first client became an investor for me. He started backing me on my deals mm. and giving me access to his capital so I can go buy more deals. And it became this relationship that I created where I wouldn't have had access to an opportunity if I first didn't serve him mm. and take care of him. Just like I'm doing with my apartments, just like I'm doing it. I have to remind myself, but that's the main way how I got where I'm at. And that I opened a whole nother door of opportunity mm -hmm. to allow me to step up into a whole new level, a whole new game that I'm doing today, apartments, mm -hmm. right? And that's how, why I'm using my apartments to invest in the surrounding community. I, I just believe the universe has this way of paying you back. I agree. I think Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added unto 100%. you. And yeah, man, it's such an important principle that you're, you're honing in on. And I'm just trying to capture this in my own thoughts, but you literally are giving of yourself and adding value to everyone else's life around you. 
And because you add value to everyone else, again, they'll add value to yours. Once they see that you care truly about them, they're like, dude, Ivan's not trying to screw me. Ivan's not trying to take the deal. Ivan's trying to help me. I'm going to try and help him. And that that is what elevates you to a higher status is you have the backing of all these other people that you served and put their interest above your own and you added value to their life first. And because they recognize that they're like, I want to add value to this guy's life. That's the principle. That's the principle. But see, society teaches you a scarcity mindset, really. Mm -hmm. There's not enough, right? There's never enough. Or you got to hustle. You got to hustle for yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't take care, and this is true. If you don't take care of yourself, no, well, that is true. But how can you take care of yourself? We need each other, man. This, this world we live in wasn't for us to be autonomous yeah. and our own little piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you can take a smaller piece of a whole lot bigger pie if you come from this place of abundance and that place is internal. Mm-hmm. You have to learn what it is that you have inside of you. You have to understand this. Mm-hmm. You have to do work. You have to, you have to work on this understanding and have awareness of this source that you have inside of you. I have to remind myself. I have to go back to that, that, that when I was doing single family and I have to go back to those days. I have to go back to my mom and see how she was able to do what she has and, you know, and, and retire herself from this little grocery store and live out her dream, mm-hmm. you know. And when you understand that, that right there, mm-hmm. everything else takes care of itself. Mm-hmm. The solutions come into your life. The people that you need to meet, I feel like I was supposed to meet you, come into your life. I was supposed to meet Jimmy. You know, like those opportunities come into your life and things just come your way. Right. It, it's interesting how that works. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I truly believe that now because I've and I didn't I didn't I wasn't aware of it until I started seeing these patterns mm-hmm. and I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel good about that. I can I can feel good that we're going about this how it was supposed to go about. Mm-hmm. And if we can just take a moment. And so I, I meet a lot of people, a lot of young entrepreneurs. I'm like, how did you do it, man? I was like, bro, I was like, the answer's right in front of you. Yeah. I was like, you, you may be in a job, you may be at, maybe in a house, living with mom, or you may be somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's someone in your life right now that you may be working for or, or you're, you have an opportunity to help. It's, the answer's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. If you take care of that, and you give to that, like people are in jobs. I, I know that we can go a whole nother level, bro, yeah. right? There's like this question, do I just, you know, like how much do I give to my job? Like, by the way, when I was doing all this stuff, I was doing my job in the military. I, I didn't hold back, right? You were doing it well probably too. I, I didn't hold back. Like yeah. I gave it all. I had, I made sure all of that was taken care of, then I can go out in here and get my thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think people don't realize what can come their way if they're willing to let go and commit to themselves mm-hmm. and commit to that thing, right, that's in front of them, that will then be an opportunity to lead them to another place mm-hmm. in their life. Mm-hmm. And so, and that to me is like how I get where I'm at. And people are in my company right now. I have people that work for me. I have, you know, and it's like, what can I do to help you? What's going on? Like, what can I help you to become better at your job, help you become better in your personal life if that's where you want to go? How can, you know, what do we need to do to put in place to improve this overall plan and process? Like, and I always try to do above and beyond. Mm. 
Smash through that freaking thing. Go through whatever it is you're doing, smash through it, man. Because if that thing doesn't pay you, universe, God will find a way to pay you. It will come back to you. You gotta trust that though. Gotta trust that. It does come back to you. Because there are those situations where you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving, you're giving. I, I mean, I give in a lot of different areas in my life. Church, community, work, a lot of ways. I was a salary paid worker in the military. Mm -hmm. The more you work, actually, the, your hourly wage goes down, right? But dude, I wouldn't have come from where I came from, I believe, unless I had this heart behind that. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's how I see it. That's how I, that's how I understand it to be. And to me, that's how I want to continue to pursue in my entrepreneur journey and path is to have this heart of giving and everything else will take care of itself in getting. Yeah, I think, you know, God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, recognizes that, though. Like, in, in all reality, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs that I um, interview and, and people that I know, the ones that are the happiest and the ones that, in my mind, carry the most success. I'm not talking the most wealth, because we know that any idiot can go out there and make insane amounts of money. People that are genuinely happy have true wealth, true success, happy families, happy lives, you know, um, it, it was the effort to work on themselves first as a person, which you have alluded back to that more than we've talked about real estate transactions yeah. today. At what age did you recognize that my success in life is contingent on my development as a human being, not, um, not, yeah. not, not my skills um, in business? You know, honestly, it started at a very young age, but in a negative way, and I'll, and I'll explain. Um, I, love, I love my dad. Mm -hmm today internally I'm there. But when I was a young boy, like I, 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 hate, I hated my dad because he brought me into a world that I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I deserved. And so, you know, my first memories of my father is meeting him in prison. Um, and I remember my grandparents, I stayed with my grandparents, I was like, where are we going grandma? And they're like, to see your dad. And, 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 and I said, I said, where? And they said, you know, where he lives out on the country in, in this, it was called an annex. And I was like, why does he live there? And they said, because he lives there. I said, what do you mean? It's just, that's where he lives. I said, oh, okay. And we, we go out to the country and he had to put on this gray suit every time. And I always go to the elevator, wait for him to come down in this gray suit. And we go out and spend an hour or so at lunch and we take him back. It was a work camp because he got in trouble for armed robbery and a poker deal, believe it or not, hanging around the wrong people. Gets out of prison, comes home to the house where my mom is now divorcing him and he had a lot of drama in his life mm -hmm. and took to still drinking drugs and all these things and took me brought me into worlds and environments i didn't feel safe i felt abandoned and i felt frustrated because i saw all my buddies who had dads that were present dads that helped them with homework dads that threw them the football dads that were there at the freaking football games when i would go play out a game dedicated to my dad and score four touchdowns and run 250 yards and had 10 tackles and freaking smash that quarterback. Mm -hmm. So my dad can approve of me and I look up in the stands, he's not there. I come home and I'm like, where's my dad? He was at the bar, you know? And I was like, if that behavior created that result, I'm gonna do the complete opposite. But I was driven by hate to prove to my dad I didn't need him, right? Proved to my dad that I don't want you in my life. I can take care of myself. 
it's interesting how the how these negative things end up being positive things too. But and I'll get to that. But so I went on this path of, you know what? I learned about Air Force Academy. I know they give a full ride scholarship if I get in there. That's my ticket out of this joint. Mm-hmm. I'm out. I'm bouncing out of this place. So I just put my eyes on this path, and I just went down this road of doing whatever I had to do to get to the Air Force Academy. And it, it wasn't easy because I, I did struggle at school. I had to take the SAT test 15 freaking times until I got enough high enough score to get in. And I finally got in. Yeah. And to like a little a little dagger to the side was this girl didn't even know about the academy in my in my junior year, but she was a gymnast. The academy got eyes on her and recruited her over me to go to the academy. And I was like, everybody knew at the high school what Ivan was going to do with his life. He's going to go to the Air Force Academy. I made sure everybody knew. I was so infatuated with this idea, so I could get the hell out of my house. Okay. And this lady, this girl comes in, gets my spot over me, and she goes off and goes to the academy. And I had to stay back, go to preparatory school. I came back, did some community college, and then I got into the academy. I get to the academy, find out she got kicked out for honor violations. The girl took my spot and got kicked out, but now at least I'm there. But now I'm going, I'm going through this inner turmoil my entire life of like this poor image, this poor, um, this poor paradigm of identity, who I believe myself to be. I came from a poor family. I came from a broken family. I came from uh, uh, a feeling of abandonment alone, a, a feeling of, of hurt in my heart. Mm-hmm. And so like I would continuously sabotage my life as a result. And, and I use this anger as a way to drive me to become who I am. But like, you're doing this in life, you're white knuckling your life, you're holding on, you're just pushing and grinding and boom, boom, pushing, pushing. And that thing, go this way of doing it, this modality creates this pressure in your life, mm-hmm. where you're forcing this, forcing that, forcing this, forcing that. And that's a pressure cooker waiting to go off, bro. And it went off, blew up, <laughs> you know? And and I realized what I was doing wasn't working. I was doing it all. Like I was doing the American dream thing, take, going to church, serving in my community, serving in church. Got a this, family. Got a family, got, got the, the house, house, got the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I, f- like we were talking earlier, like I felt, I felt miserable. I felt, I felt, like, I don't know who I am. I'm chasing someone else's vision of who I'm supposed to be. Right. And, but as I'm going through this entrepreneurial journey, I'm in the military, I'm buying houses. You start going on this self-improvement path because that's how everyone thinks in the entrepreneurial world. And that's good. It's all about surrounding yourself with these people. And they, so you now want to know how to grow as a person, but you don't really know how to get there, right, too. So you putting information inside of you. Maybe you have, you know, personal mentors and this and that. Right. But for me is like, I had to go down this journey of going neutral in my life and letting go of everything, everything that I believe to be true. Question every single belief and idea that I had. Like, think about that. Go, go, if you let yourself go there, it's a scary thing. It is. It's a very scary thing because your ego is holding on to this idea of what you, who, what you believe to be true, who you believe yourself to be. Your identity is built on all these things. And we're influenced by family. We're influenced by church, by governments, by you know your friends, your peers. Influence, all these people bring their influences into your life mm-hmm. that maybe 
because of our own awareness of who we are, we give, we acquiesce to these ideas and give up our power to these other things that then become your identity, but not aligned with who you truly are. Right. I said, enough of that. I'm done. And I let it all go. And it was, for me, it wasn't a while. It was just, I really went on this even deeper spiritual journey and path during COVID. We're all locked up in our house. We can't even hang out with anyone. So now's the time. Let's do this. And I went down this journey. I let it all go. I mean, self-improvement's always been there, but I'm talking about a whole nother level, man, yeah. of learning, letting yourself go to this whole new place. And I, you know, there's a rushing river in front of you when you go on this journey and you see the other side and you know if you just, you know the answer's over there, but you have to go through the rushing river to get to the other side, right? It's like Brene Brown says, being brave. Mm -hmm. it, you, it does take courage. And you don't have to do it alone. There's support systems. There's all kinds of programs and opportunities out there to help people to go through this if they truly want to go. I found, I found, you know, I found someone outside of the box of where I was in my own thinking, my own awareness. And that person, lady, took me through this whole journey. And it was so well worth it. So well worth it, obviously. But that's when I truly understand the power of investing in yourself, mm -hmm. the power of making yourself first. I gave myself to everything, thinking that everything was gonna make me happy. Gave myself to my, this isn't wrong, but there's certain, you gotta hold back for yourself. I gave it all to my family, all to my church, all to my, 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 the military, all to my friend. That I, what did you hold back for yourself? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a there's a there's some truth to understanding. You gotta keep some. We gotta take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. Make yourself whole. Make yourself right. right. You got to understand who you are, and you gotta you know. Then you go on this approval. You gotta prove yourself. You gotta accept yourself, um, and you gotta affirm yourself. And see, I never got that as a kid because my dad wasn't aware how to do that. Mm -hmm. But I had to go on this journey to learn to accept myself, approve myself and affirm myself, mm -hmm. men need that, right? And so I did that. Then I realized that I can change my story. I can change how I see my past. Mm -hmm. I can go down this journey of this hurt and pain that I carried for all these years. And I mean, this hurt and pain you carry causes detonations in your life. Mm -hmm. You may blow up a relationship, you may blow up your life, mm -hmm. you may blow up a, some business thing, you may blow up opportunities because of something you're carrying. But if you're willing to go down this path and let that go, watch what happens. Watch what happens, okay? And I changed the story with my dad. I realized that my dad, and I, I tried to see it through the eyes of love, and I said, oh my God, my dad was there. He actually took me in the backyard and taught me how to pitch that ball and put a, he put a box up on the tree and he said, hit that box every time. He, he was a dad. He took me fishing all the time. He, he took me camping. You know, maybe he didn't teach me all the life lessons I wanted to learn, but maybe that's how it was supposed to be. So I had to have the own ability to find things on my own, which makes me an entrepreneur of who I am today. If I didn't, if my dad gave me everything, I wouldn't have the grit that I freaking have today mm -hmm. to do what it is I'm doing today, to get through the moments that I'm going through now, mm -hmm. the, the moments I have pressure in your life, mm -hmm. to not acquiesce and give in because I built up that muscle long ago when I was a kid. Right. And so like, I am grateful to have the past that I've had. I'm grateful to 
come from the family that I have. And I'm grateful for my dad. And my dad, I remember now when I changed my perspective, there was this thing as a little kid, he would always make me hug him before I went out the door to school. And the only reason I stopped hugging him because I said, Dad, can we stop doing that? I was 13, he's like, okay, are you getting old? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, my dad did love me. But I was so hurt at the time and a young child all the way through high school that I didn't see that. I didn't see how much he really did care for me. So we have this ability to change the story of our past. We have the ability to realize that all things happen for you and they're not against you. The world's not against us, man. Nothing's against you. It's always for you. We have the, the ability to make something great out of a, a, a terrible past. It's like this trial to triumph opportunity we all have. And so the, to, to me, that's like the game of entrepreneurialism, the game of life. And that's how I'm ex why I'm excited to continue to be able to do what I'm doing. And now I have this resolve of my past. I have clarity. And I went to the other side of that freaking river. I'm on the other side. I, I have clarity in my life. I have alignment in my life. Mm. I went through some stuff, but I'm, I'm now in this place where we're talking today of having this alignment of like, oh shit, I'm dangerous, bro. You're lethal. Right? Now that you know what you know yeah. now, and now that you have peace and clarity yeah, in your man. life, it's like, there's nothing that you can't nothing. do. I, I, if I came from that, I, I mean, whatever's going on around me, oh. it's, it's all about this, it's all about this, it does, it's not about this. We can have World War III come up. We can have recession. We can have whatever it is in your local you know, cities and states. All these things that the drama tells you, you're beyond that. Now, that's a big statement to say. I get it. But it, it, you, come, you get to this place of freedom where you're no longer holding on to the victim mentality. Mm -hmm. I'm not a victim of my past. I'm not a victim of broken. Because my dad didn't teach me how to do a math problem, doesn't make me less than because he didn't understand calculus and maybe I struggled in, or freaking English, it was English, man. I, God, I sucked at English so bad. <laughs> like I still like have, you know, grammar issues, bro. But it's like, I'm not a victim of that. Yeah. Not a victim, right? When you, you, we grow up and we allow ourselves to mature in your whole self because of love, you have the power and the strength to literally do whatever it is you want in life. Right? Mm -hmm. I agree. That's the story I hold on to today, to today. And that's what I'm carrying and giving me the fuel to go out and do what I'm doing in the midst of what is going on around me. And that's what, that is why we have you on the show. That's what it's like to be a bison, to be honest with you. And to every viewer that's listening to this, guys, I, this, Ivan's the 11th guest that we've had on. We are out of time because Ivan has to go hop on an <laughs> investment call right now. Um, but I would love to have you back on the podcast to continue to talk more about that. this. This has been music to my ears, music to the viewers ears. You emulate exactly what it means to be a bison, to be kicked down. And when the storms Thank of life you, come, you head right back into the storms. Yeah. Ivan. You're the man. Thank you for being on what well, we're definitely going to have you back on sometime soon. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.